Do you feel politically homeless, lost in the chaos of modern politics, not sure who to believe? Democrats call him a Republican. Republicans call him a socialist. He is Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. Welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast, season two. I'm Stephen Reynolds, your host, recording today from the historic WGNS studios located in the heart of the great volunteer state, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Well, folks, we're back again. Uh, joining me today is my guest, Mr. Andy Dickey, purveyor of knowledge, international businessman, resident of Rutherford County. Andy, welcome back to the Man in the Middle. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, Andy, first off, I think um, you and I, we certainly want to offer our condolences out to our good friend, Mr. David Settles, who lost his son, Darius, 30 years old, to the COVID virus uh, on July the 4th. Um, they are very good people. Uh, David is a member of the school board. He's a pastor of a church. Uh, Darius, that passed away, uh, was a small businessman, also uh, very active in his church. And um, anyway, it's just a very sad day here in Rutherford County, and uh, we just want to send our prayers out to the Settles family uh, so that the Lord hopefully will comfort them during this tough time. Andy, let's talk about this situation a little bit. Um, the virus is exploding again. Here we are. I think you and I were the first two to start talking about this way back in February when you got back from Germany trying to beat the virus home, basically, uh, because you were concerned that they were going to shut uh, the airlines down coming out of Europe, which ultimately has happened now. Uh, but let's talk about Mr. Settle's situation here and what we've heard David say uh, about that. And I know that you have a similar story uh, with your family, Andy. Let's let's dive into that a little bit, if you don't mind. Sure. So my understanding is that um, Darius was feeling under the weather and he got tested for COVID-19 and he tested positive on Tuesday of last week. And I don't have a calendar pulled up, but that would have been last day of June, first day of July, something like that. I think it was five um, days. Yep. Yeah. And he was, he was, went to the doctor. He went to Southern Hills, which is on the edge of the neighborhood I grew up in. And, um, it's a, such a small world. I suffered from meningitis, which is a highly infectious disease when I was a kid. And I was in isolation there for a week. Uh, so I know that hospital, unfortunately, very well. And, uh, they sent him home with a few medications. Um, which which is understandable when somebody gets COVID-19 who's his age and healthy. He had no pre-existing conditions. And as the week went on, I guess he started to feel bad. And then on, on Saturday, he called his daddy and said, Daddy, I'm, you know, I need you to come over here and bless me and, and bring the oil and everything. And um, I think David knew that was not a great sign when he said that. And, right. um, you know, I don't want to get get the details wrong, but basically he passed away with Pastor Settles right there. And um, anybody that knows David knows he is the sweetest guy. Like, yeah. he just exudes kindness. And I can't imagine, um, you know, what he's going through. Um, you know, we went through something similar to that with my sister-in-law in 2012. She had, uh, we were living in Washington, D.C., and then we had moved to Atlanta 
Um, and this is like January, 2007. And we were kind of like ships passing in the night. We were moving to Atlanta. She was moving from Nashville to DC, the DC area. We passed each other. You know, she was a, a manager in a supermarket business and she had lost her job and we didn't know about it. And I guess she was out of work for about 30 days. And of course she lost her health insurance. Mm-hmm. She had the flu um, and it escalated and it ended up killing her. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, and you, yeah. And you just think about it. I mean, at the time I was just heartbroken because, you know, I'm not a rich guy now. I was certainly wasn't a rich guy then, but I would have moved heaven and earth to get her to the doctor. Had I known that she was in a situation where she was ill and was avoiding going to the doctor. My understanding is that there is a component of that, um, with what happened to Darius settles. And I just think having spent a lot of time in Western Europe, a place where people really don't worry about those sort of things at all. Zero. Right. Um, and they hear my sister-in-law, Kim's story. And, you know, now this with, with Darius, uh, settles, they, they just, it's a foreign concept to them. So. Right. And what we're talking about folks is the fact that there are a lot of people out there who do not have insurance, who, when they get sick, they will not go to the doctor for the fear of the cost and they just try to tough it out and stay at home. And Tennessee leads the country in medical bankruptcies now. And, um, Andy, don't you think we can do better in this country? Don't you think, especially now with this pandemic going on, if you're sick, go to the doctor. If you have no money, go to the doctor anyway. They will work this out with you. Would you agree with that, Andy? Yeah, definitely. And I had said that in a previous podcast. You, and we, we've, you and I have known each other a long time. Um, and in a previous podcast, I had said, it doesn't matter if you don't have the money, just go. Just if go. You, it, we will figure it out. Right. And, and I know, you know that, that, that people think about that and they think, oh, well, you know, you guys aren't going to pay my $100,000 uh, bill. Uh, but, uh, you know, th- it's just tragic that folks won't see a medical professional for the fear of the cost uh, down the well, road. Well, hey, I believe, I believe in Tennessee. I do, and too. And I've seen a lot of these GoFundMes. I, I just think, you know, there we, we all, in this state, you know, even when our government is working against us, we always find a way we do. And when, when I said those words previously, that, that was the spirit in which I said those words. I have seen GoFundMes and church bake sales and you, you know, all the things you can imagine in my lifetime, we will find a way let's, you know, first priority is preserve life and then preserve bank account. Truly. Right. right. And this is not something you want to mess with this disease. It, absolutely not. If you have any indication, please get to a medical professional and get tested, right? And so let, let's segue this um, this story, Andy, and I know that's tough to do. Let's segue that into what's going on now. We said four months ago that a testing and contact tracing program, and obviously with the isolations that go with that, would be the only way to control the outbreak of this virus. Andy, where have we gone wrong and the rest of the world has gone right? Well, I think it's important to note that not the entire world has gone right. Uh, I think Boris Johnson, bless him, he had it COVID himself, but I think he gets up every morning and thanks God that Donald Trump is president of the United States because he's done an 
okay job relative to us, but that ain't really saying much. Right. So um, I think that you'll see everything on a full spectrum. You're going to see us and Brazil on one end of the spectrum, um, and you're going to see places like South Korea, Japan, um, New Zealand on another end of the spectrum and, and sort of everything in between. I think where we kind of have gone wrong is that we have spent we have spent trillions of dollars um, bailing out arms dealers, which I can't work out because there's been a run on guns because of all this for whatever psychology that's behind that. Churches. Um, churches, including my own, got a small amount of money, but there are some mega churches that got millions, right? including one around here. Um, people that push pills to old folks' homes and stuff like that, you know, that... You know, I, of course, elder care homes, they need medications. And I think this prepackaging stuff is a good idea. But those homes have been, I don't want to say unaffected by the virus, but from a revenue standpoint, they have been fairly unaffected. So I don't understand why they would need um or anyone in their supply chain would need PPP money. That's yeah, a bit strange. That's a great point. So when all of this application process was going through, there were two different types of programs offered by the SBA, and uh, that was one of the things that struck me. Besides the lack of basic information, you know, tax returns, uh, a P and L on the business, none of that was required. But what really struck me was that businesses that were deemed essential, that continued operating during the shutdown, uh, they received the money too, even though their business didn't stop, even though the it would be very difficult to measure the financial impact on their business, especially at that time when they applied for that loan. And so I've got a real problem with, with that and with, uh, quite frankly, with people that don't pay, ta- entities that don't pay taxes uh, receiving this money as well. Now, Andy, Let's make sure. Well, there's a reason why I brought that up. Yeah. And it's because I don't understand, in the context of this, I don't understand how we spent trillions and trillions of dollars on this stimulus and, and, and going to the entities that we just discussed. But we couldn't spare a few hundred billion dollars to sort out our PPE and testing issues and contact tracing issues. So I can't imagine that there is a single supply chain problem we have related to this disease that could not be solved with a few hundred billion dollars. Right. And we know this week that the problem still hasn't been solved because we've got the vice president calling on medical professionals to reuse their PPE, mm-hmm. which is we all know is not recommended. Um, we also know that the mayor of Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottoms, had to wait eight days to get her test results. You and I have a friend that took a test last week at the Rutherford County Health Department, and it took a week yep. to get the, to get the results. Um, and I just don't understand why we are still in this boat all these months later. We were supposed to be using this money to fix this problem and the shutdown to fix these problems and get our hands around how we can squash this virus. And... We haven't done it. We failed. Yeah, we're still back to square one basically the entire time and all of the revenue and the business that was lost during the shutdown. Uh, we, we wasted it. Uh, it appears that we wasted that time. And um, so, Andy, you know, 
Let's talk about that. Let, let's keep going. We, we know the contact tracing, the testing is really what's really troubling us. We also have a little bit of a cultural problem as well, um, which this is a sensitive topic. People want to talk about their freedom to, to wear a mask or not wear a mask. But let's take Japan, for example, where they have millions of people stacked on top of each other. And they've had about a thousand deaths or, or so. They, they're very, very low numbers. And it's because their culture follows the rules and the advice of their leaders. Would you agree with that, Andy? Do you think that, that our unruliness as Americans uh, plays a factor in our ability to combat this virus? I think that that's a bit romantic. Okay. I think that I think we're a bit overly romanticizing who we are. Okay. When we say that, um, I think it's just weakness. Yeah. Okay. You know, so I think we we're in a national crisis, and in a national crisis, you're faced with a choice: do we sort of rally around each other and love thy neighbor, or do we just sort of, you know, value our individualism? And I think we've chosen to value our individualism over all else. And I just think it, it's a minor inconvenience. And, and people, what I don't like is when people present bunk science right. to, to defend their position. What I would prefer is for them to sort of man up, as the kids say, and just say, hey, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to be put out for my fellow man. Right. I instead just, of, you know, instead it, of the Facebook epidemiologist, right, instead of the Facebook doctors. <laughs> that's basically. But you know, that's they, the yeah. thing I found. Yeah. I don't think those people that are citing those sources actually really believe that. That is just to they don't want to be inconvenienced, right. and that is a means of assuaging their own conscience. Mm-hmm. But what it, I, I, you probably have noticed in social media that I have stopped arguing with these people. Right. I think all it does is serve to entrench their their position and when you as an individual when when another individual attacks another individual all it does is entrench their position mm-hmm. i think the only thing that would be a solution now is if leadership steps up and sets the tone and sends the message uh but you know as we saw this week the mayor's delegation for rutherford county refused to to pass a ma- mask mandate um or to to en- enact one i think it goes beyond that. If you go to the city of Murfreesboro's uh, YouTube page, there's not a, a video that I was able to find, you know, sort of 30 second spot encouraging people to, to wear masks, even though they claim to be pro mask, but just don't want to mandate their actions don't match up uh, with their words. With it's the just a, and really yeah. what it is, is it's not a health, a public health calculation. It's a political calculation. Yeah. Right. I, th- I think the leadership in the cities contained within Rutherford County, as well as Rutherford County leadership, would like to remain mask neutral. Mm-hmm. And, pe- and people are getting sick as a result of that. Yeah. Yeah. Rutherford County and is we'll right in the top in the state. And uh, well, let's just keep segueing on this, Andy. I wanted to circle back to the business part of that. Now, your business is based right here in America, but you compete globally and your competitors are not. What's happening to business people like you, Andy, who are not allowed to travel to other countries, who are not allowed to call on your customers around the world because we cannot contain this virus or or, or refuse to have the will to contain this virus? What's the result of that for American businesses around the world? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I think the the result is at the moment if uh, if I have a German competitor, they don't have any problem calling on my customers in the UK face to face, and I'm not able to do that. Right. I mean, that's the scenario we find ourselves in. Um, to to bring it back and make it a bit more local, one has to ask themselves: How long will the Japanese continue to hold assets? in the state of Tennessee that they're not allowed to clap eyes on. Right. Yeah, that's a great question. Or any other foreign company that is invested here, if they can't come here, how long are they going to stay here? Right. That's a great yeah, question. exactly. And I, I think, too, that, um, you know, in the places where people wear masks, my employees are in the office. So now I'm in a situation where when I'm meeting with them online, I'm at home, as you see here, Right. And they are in there. They are in the office. Right. Um, and so I think we have to ask ourselves back to this individualism uh, versus the country. I think I have to ask my neighbors, where's the national pride? Right. You know, so are you OK with the United States being the last developed Western country to get a handle on this thing? Are you OK with that? Right. And, 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 the, and all that entails. Right. All of the loss of revenue, the future business, everything that will have to be built in the future just to overcome this, it's like in many cases will be like starting all over. And I don't think you're just one example, Andy. There are millions of people in your predicament right now. And, and Yes, and I think people will have to make choices about what they, what they do. Yeah. You know, where, where, they, they, where they reside, yeah. where they work. Yeah where and, their ch- children attend school. Um, so these, these, you know, these sort of short-term politically charged decisions or politically tinged decisions, you know, they seem to make sense to the, the leadership now. But when we're looking back on this five years from now, they, it, will, it will make less sense. Yeah, I think so. Well, you touched on something right there that's a really hot topic here in Rutherford County, really all over the country. We found out today that Metro Schools in Nashville, you're a product of Metro Schools in Davidson County, they have decided that they will stay with online learning this fall. We are currently awaiting uh, this evening as we're recording this podcast. We'll find out about Rutherford County Schools tonight. Andy, are we going to send the kids back to school? What do you think? Should we send the kids back to school? What are our liabilities if we do? Wow, this is a this is a huge question. I think, firstly, it's tough to guess. I mean, they will decide, and this will probably be aired and posted uh, online after they decide. It but will. my inst- my yeah. instinct is that they will send the kids back to school. Okay. And here's why. This is why this is my guess. Uh, that is based on who actually runs this county. Mm-hmm. and who pulls the strings in this county. Mm-hmm. So it is people like real estate agents, de- property developers, uh, contractors, um, and bankers, people in that supply chain. And I think the people in that supply chain really realize that what is the number one reason why people buy a home in this in, in this or any market? Yeah, it's for the school. If they have young yeah. children, they look so at the schools. If there aren't any schools... Right. There's no reason to do that. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of like people always wor- really worry if it's their ox that's getting gored, right? So they, right. Um, right. I think they'll be really pushing for schools to open uh, back up. 
Now, whether that's a hybrid situation, I have two boys in school, as you know, mm-hmm. and one's in high school and one's in middle school. Whether that's a hybrid situation where, you know, you can choose to, to be at home and, and or choose to be at school, that sort of remains to be seen. 100% at home, I don't think, is, is what they're going to go with, unfortunately. Um, I'm at a place where... You know, we have to decide because of, of, of a health situation here we have here at this house. Mm-hmm. Do we split the family up and go stay somewhere else, like wow. take an apartment until we have a vaccine? And, and you know, because I know one of my sons really probably should be in school and the other one could could easily not be in school if there was a remote learning option. Right. Um, the, all those decisions, all those things are on on the table. I, I, I know we're not the only ones going through that. And, you know, we're blessed to be able to make that sort of a decision like the one that that I just described, even though it would be quite uh, upsetting to everybody in this house. Uh, but I think they'll make a decision to go back to school. I think um, the real sin would be if we made the decision to go back to school, um, but at no time the superintendent of schools or the school board or the county mayor or the county commission uh, had sat down with Nick Coat over at, over at Murfreesboro Medical Clinic, MMC, or Gordon Ferguson at St. Thomas Rutherford, or the whoever leads uh, at Stonecrest. If they haven't sat down with them and had a discussion about the increase in inf- infection rates that are inevitable with going back to school, if those facilities can actually handle the the increased burden so i guess the point i'm making if they're going to decide x and x causes y can we handle y if those decisions are made without ever having that sort of a discussion that is something i can't forgive yeah you know looking at the county as a whole system right if they haven't done that if they haven't looked at the county as a whole system including the schools and what the cause and effect might be, and can we handle it, then that that's the unforgivable thing, really. It, well, exactly. We see a lot of debate uh, about the safety of the children, the safety of the family that the children come home to, the safety of the teachers and the staff at the schools. What We hear all about that. What I haven't heard about, Andy, is what type of is – the, is the county school board setting aside millions of dollars for litigation? That's what I want to know. And I hate to be so litigious, but the first teacher that gets sick and dies or the first kid that gets sick and dies, the first thing they're going to do is sue the Rutherford County School Board. And so and we'll pay for that. And we and will pay for that in our yeah. taxes. So I want to know, have we set the money aside? What are we doing? I, I think that they are planning on the one shot of the liability shield passed in a special session by the governor that the governor's calling in and they think they're going to get this liability shield passed to uh to make sure that everyone is um uh indemnified from from any sort of lawsuit from the virus including the school systems but it didn't pass the first time andy and in order for now they've got to call a special session even if it does passes this time i think the various legal folks that i've talked to based on how this thing is written up but it'll probably immediately end up at the tennessee supreme court where it will there will be a ruling on the constitutionality of all of this which is questionable all of this cost money millions yes. of dollars just to get to this point 
So I have heard no one talk about any of that and the protection of the taxpayers here, not just the safety of our children and of our teachers and our staff, but how are we protecting the taxpayers here? I'm certainly um, not in favor of this blanket liability shield uh, because I think that you'll have a lot of employers and people that will break the rules uh, that will get away with, you know, let's be honest, there are some businesses that are doing a great job, some that aren't. Uh, But Andy, I'm not against a liability shield, as I've told you in the past, provided there is a standard of care that goes along with it. So if we set a a COVID mitigation standard uh, that's reasonable across the state, and schools, businesses, those type of places actually comply with that, I don't mind them having um, some sort of indemnification from lawsuits. Right. I would be in favor of that being sort of timed, meaning, you know, that wouldn't be indefinite, maybe something that would have to be renewed. But just to give people a, a blanket get-out-of-jail-free card, even if they're not trying, it is not okay with me. And I think that's why you you saw it not pass the first time right when it when it went through the its machinations on capitol hill i think that um what we have to understand is that uh we all want the kids back in school everybody wants the kids back in school i see arguments where people are accusing others of not wanting the kids back in school and i i think that's disingenuous everybody wants our children to have a good education what I would like to see us do is develop a plan that's sustainable. So that's one thing I admire about Adrian Battle, who's the, the director of schools in Nashville, a high school classmate of mine and, and an amazing person. Um, she has made a decision that, ha- that is sustainable. Mm-hmm. So that is something that once they start, they can keep going with. Right. Now, I realize that puts a burden on working parents, mm-hmm. but... she now has the option it's a different thing to go from online to classroom that's an easier thing to do right than to really just go headlong into classroom learning and then have to reverse course right because here's what happens is that the amount of teaching staff is not unlimited so once they go classroom and they start to get sick and they're out of commission they're not teaching right and what are you going to do with the teacher if you run out i mean i would don't know this but i would think they were going to have a very difficult time finding even a substitute teacher uh to go in. i I think you might be right i Mm -hmm. just you know i i just hope whatever is done they they do it is sustainable i will not entertain any arguments with people who just will not admit right off the top that any sort of classroom component increases infections. Right. And I don't think it's unreasonable for the leadership in the county to show their work when it comes to what have you done to ensure that it doesn't take five, six, seven, eight days to get test results. Right. What have you done to make sure there are enough PPE for first responders, nurses, doctors, teachers? <laughs> what what have you know, what have you done to sort of uh, manage and corral the inevitable additional infections should you send kids back to school. Right. Yes, I think so. And I think we'll find out tonight. I know they did a survey, but but hopefully we'll find, it would be great if they would answer the questions that you just asked, Andy, and, and especially the one that I just asked too about the, about the taxpayers and what our liability could be. 
uh, going the forward. The liability comes in because those kids are compelled to be there. I mean, right. We get arrested if they don't go. If they don't go to so, school, right. So they're compelled by the government to be there, but in potentially a dangerous situation. It's kind of like uh, uh, the best comparison I've heard is the is the restaurants cooking chicken to 165 degrees. Sure, you can choose not to cook the chicken to it, which is science-based, right? That We know that foodborne illnesses don't happen in poultry after 165 degrees of internal temperature. It's the same with it. We're talking about science-based information and data. These aren't things that are being pulled out of the air somewhere. This is things that we already know. Andy, let's move on. Um, it's been kind of a dark first 20 minutes of the podcast. Sorry. Well, no, no, it's not your fault. Unfortunately, it's what's happening in the world. We've got a congressional race going on in the 4th District We've got a barn burner here, I think, heading into the fall. I'm loving every second of it. Chris Hale. I eat it for for breakfast. Yeah, he has taken the fight to Scott Desjardins. And um, and had a little incident this weekend in Grundy County uh, at the 4th of July parade. I think Chris was a little bit uh, taken aback by all of the Confederate flags that he saw at, uh, you know, America's birthday, the United States. And, um, and he made a comment on Facebook about that, which was completely taken out of context by some opponents on the Republican side. And uh, basically, Chris has, um, you know, got Grundy County, some of the folks in Grundy County up in arms right now over some of his comments over that. Um, Andy, let's talk about this a little bit. You know, Democrats get a lot of heat, especially here in Rutherford County, for the transplants that come in that want to try to change things around here. And typically, that blame goes to the left and the Democrats. But has anyone noticed that it seems like the Republican side is where all the transplants are, at least in this 4th Congressional District? I mean, you've got Scott Desjardins from South Dakota. You had Grant Sterrett from California. Uh, Desjardins, the incumbent, for those of you that don't know, he's been in office for a decade, uh, transplant to Tennessee, Grant Starrett, transplant to Tennessee. And now, and, and so in 2018, there was this guy named Jack Maddox uh, from, from Chattanooga. and uh, Good guy. He was a good guy, Andy. When you heard Jack talk, was there any doubt that he was from Tennessee? No, sir. So what about this new cat? I'm not even going to say his name. But he claims to be a 17th generation Tennessean. Or 10th or whatever it was. Yeah, it's funny, but he doesn't sound like any Tennessean I've ever known. I was born and raised here. Me too. You're a Woodbine guy. I'm a Manchester guy. I'm in Rutherford County 30 years. You've been in Rutherford County for a decade. We're both Tennessee guys. We've never heard this accent before. Who is this dude? I, honestly, what's funny, though, about that is that um my mom teases me that i don't have an accent anymore you know and then everybody at work teases the, me that i have a really thick accent oh sure the brits right yeah, so right. but and that's mainly because i've spent time i lived in dc for a while um uh, you know i was in the construction business and uh, i lived in atlanta for area for six years and he's supposed to be from georgia but he don't sound like any georgian i've ever known it, it's weird it, so one of the things about traveling like you and i have both done you get really good at dialects like, yes like, yeah. like i know north georgia from south georgia i can pick it when up I, immediately. for real and when i first heard him he sounded like he was 
um, you know, from uh, like a cowboy, like what, like yeah. way West Texas, Colorado, Wyoming, Wyoming, yeah, 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 something like that, like Sam Elliott or something, right? Yeah, that kind, that kind of a thing. And then when he started all this, he went on Grundy County TV talking about, you know, all these generations of Tennesseans and everything. Then I would just started laughing my head off. Uh, sat there watching it on Facebook because it's obviously some kind of affectation, you know, like some kind of act he's putting on. Yeah, it's he weird. He wants to sound like a cowboy or... Right. Know, well, and I don't know which... He wants to sound like Wyatt Earp or something like that. I, I don't know what's going on. It's really strange. And it's like, uh, as we've, we've done a little background, uh, there's uh, a multiple aliases for this guy too, right? I mean, we, <laughs> yeah, we know... We, weird, I'm not yeah. going to say his name because... I'm gonna. Let, our listeners are smart. They'll figure out who it is. But uh, these two, Hale debated this guy on Grundy County Television about a month ago, and this guy came out guns blazing right off the bat. And then Hale pivoted and wore him out for 55 he sure did. He minutes. Sure did. If the, you have if you have a chance to go see it on Gr- Grundy County TV, which is GCTV six on facebook on facebook yep it look the beginning of it is sort of some outdated uh trey hargett secretary of state uh election commercial right. but if you watch past that it's great it's oh yeah great oh, i love yeah. it i he, would have loved to see cricket's face she's one of the hosts i would have loved to see her face when oh, all yeah. this was going on oh yeah well i mean i think chris went in with kind of a uh, reconciliation type or, or, you know, hey, we're going to handle this with a velvet glove type of debate because he would really like for this guy's voters to get behind him in the general election. Oh, of course. I mean, uh, and they're our neighbors, you know. I mean, Of course. He, he, yeah. Right. And so there's there's no reason. But but this guy comes out guns a-blazing on this debate. And, I mean, hell pivoted like a pro and just ate this guy's lunch. And so to the point where his, I thought his, his face turned red, I thought his head was going to yeah. explode. And so just for our listeners out there, we were going to bring you a very special edition debate today on this show between these two candidates. But guess what, Andy? What happened? The Republican we're talking about backed out. Wow. Yeah. Well, he says that. You can know, you blame? Can you blame him though? After what happened on Grundy County TV? Well, I really right. I couldn't understand why he'd agree to debate him again anyway after what happened the first time. But basically, this guy says that Rutherford County and all of our listeners are a bunch of Marxist liberals up here. And he is that is that <laughs> is that what you think when you're running around Murfreesboro? There's a bunch of communists out here. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. No way. Yeah. No way. And so no the, way. This guy's pushing this Alex Jones, Clyde Lewis, fantasy proud boy type of crap. I bet he don't get 20%, Andy. What do you think against Desjardins? Oh, no. Scott's going to wear him out. He will. Scott and, and Congressman Desjardins, if you're listening, because I know you listen sometimes, um, we would love to see one of your funny comedic ads like you ran against uh grant starrett back in 2016 we would love to see you spend a little money on the primary on this guy because we 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 need a good laugh congressman desjardin we'd love to see you uh do this in the primary (laughs) (laughs) so one i'll leave this with one last thing andy this guy is no jack maddox no, sir, he's not. Jack, Jack's a fine. John, Jack's a fine man. Yes, he, he really is. is, and we disagreed with Jack on almost everything politically 
almost everything, 99% the opposite of Jack, but we'll sit here and tell you how fine of a man he is and how good of a person he is and how hard he worked in his campaign. And um, so anyway, he's this, this new guy, I don't know where he's from, but he's no Jack Maddox, that's for sure. Andy, let's move on uh, one more time. Are we going to see football this fall? I don't think so. I don't either. And here, here's why. You know who this is going. Everybody accuses me of being a baseball nerd, so I'm going to use baseball to explain why there's probably not going to be football. Freddie Freeman, I, he's such a great guy. He plays in. He's an infielder for the Atlanta Braves. Um, he plays first base, but I've seen. You know, he's moonlighted at other places too. But um, he and his wife, as sweet as she can be, he has been sequestered in his house for four months and trying to do all the right things, having the groceries delivered and all that stuff. And he's at practice three or four days and he gets COVID-19. Yeah. And even in practice, they were taking precautions. You know, you know, they're not using the clubhouse. They're all like in luxury boxes and spread out all over the stadium and everything. Mm-hmm. So I don't I see really, it. you know, with millions of dollars at stake, you know, the Braves organization did everything that they could to keep him from getting infected. And he's the, he's the franchise player. Right. So mm-hmm. I just don't see how we can, we can do that here. Yeah, I don't either. And, you know, Rutherford County's very own Cy Young award-winning pitcher David Price for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's not playing this season. He's already told Yeah, he opted out. He He opted opted out, out. yeah. Our other good friend, Rutherford County native Juwan Jennings, who just signed with the San Francisco 49ers. Congratulations, Juwan. We're so proud of you. Uh, we'd love save your money. Save, save your, mo- your yes, money. Save your money, Juwan. Yes, absolutely. And and uh, I, you know, I hope to get him to get to see him play for San Francisco. But I I just don't know if it's going to happen this year. Uh, it may be the spring. They're talking about a spring football season, which would be kind of crazy. Yeah, I think the NBA players are a bit nervous too, even with this bubble bubble system. Yeah. Um. You know, I just think I just think the way that this thing spreads and. I do, and I've said it before on the podcast, I don't think we should be overly alarmed. And I commend Freddie because Freddie was sort of like, I'm feeling under the weather kind of a thing. And then his wife took took to Facebook or I can't remember if it's that or Instagram and told the real story. Right. And she was basically like, he's in bad shape. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he's in, he's in at peak health. And I just don't think it's worth it. Yeah. I just don't, you know, I know people want to see sports. But these men and women, you know, you know, women's tennis players, WNBA, you know, women play professional sports too, and these men and women deserve their health. Yeah, right. The, you know, they don't owe us anything in that's that regard. Right. I, I just think that that we should have their back. Yeah, I agree. Just like all the other workers in America. The, yes, sir. They, they, their job is entertaining us. That's what their job is. But it's a job, and. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you, Andy. I, I don't think it's – gosh, it's so hard to say. And our country needs it so bad, a distraction, whether it be a World Series or a Super Bowl or whatever. We really could use it, but we can't at the expense of our fellow Americans, and we have to remember that. Let's, let's, let's even, even not just, just me one more thing about college athletes because, yeah. you know, this is something I'm, I'm passionate about and I don't want them taken advantage of. It's hard to distance learn. 
And that's going to be a big part of, of the university experience, at least for this coming fall. Right. I just would hate for these kids to have to get sick and then deal with going to class online at the same time. Right. They need to be focused on their studies. The vast majority of those kids are not going to pro sports. Right. You know, and they've worked so hard at athletics so they could get help with school. And school for them is the priority. One is a means to the other end. And, and I just hope that we can, our college athletes, cut them some slack, particularly the football players, because that's where a lot of the scrutiny is right now. Sure. Let them do okay. In, let them focus on, on school. Distance learning is hard enough. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, see, you spoke, you touched on the college sports there. We let, Let's talk about that and what's going on the the change, the cultural change that we see. Um, now, a lot of folks won't know who we talk about, our good friends McKinsey, but they, they consult about uh, most of the Fortune 500 companies, including NASCAR. Uh, but you've seen NASCAR move away from the Confederate flag, the, the state of Mississippi. We're seeing a lot of change, cultural changes out there, Andy. Is it because these businesses have realized this group of 20-year-olds is the most diverse group of consumers they're going to have for the next 20 years. Do you think that's what's really playing a role in this? And these kids aren't. I think that's, yeah. These kids aren't going to put up with that. And you've got people like Take NASCAR. Lil E's been advocating for this stuff for a long time. Yeah. You know, and I wouldn't put the woke label on him. He's just a good guy. Good guy. Right. His daddy raised him right. Right. You know, um, for all his faults, you know, you can watch the 30 for 30 or whatever for yourself, but he right. He obviously raised that boy. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't think that stuff's okay. And he's been pretty vocal about it even before all the, the Bubba Wallace stuff. And I think it was just inevitable. And you know, NAS young people like NASCAR too. Yeah. Like, as you say, and that, and that's a demographic. The other thing is I have worked with NASCAR in the past through work. They're good people. Right. And they stick together and they care about each other. And you've got people that work there um, at the headquarters there in Daytona that are of all races, genders, you know. Right. Um, it's a very people diverse. In biracial, mm-hmm. People in biracial relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got drivers, you know, and pit crew and people like that that, that are of different races but also have spouses who are, you know, I could just go on and on that's the culture you know say what you will about that organization um all sports organizations have their quirks and faults but they do stick together right and i don't mean that in a negative way i mean they really look that they look i won't use the f word because i hate it in the context of work but as a workplace they do look out for each other right so when they when all this went on with bubble wallace i have to confess that i wasn't in all that surprised sure because that's just how they are yeah yeah i think they get a bad rap you know in general when it comes to employee relations and their partners and stuff they're just really good to to the people in that sphere yeah they rallied around bubba and my gosh and now i don't even want to say this guy's name now he's bubba wallace being attacked by the president of the united states i mean how low andy is there anyone this guy won't attack or say anything bad about? i don't think so but it's funny you notice congress just ignored it yeah like yeah. his allies in congress just ignored it oh, because yeah. it just was there wasn't any basis in reality for it at all right 
Uh, and we're seeing that, too. Uh, we're seeing Congress drift away from this president right now, especially those in the tight Senate races. Would you agree with that? I think so. And I think some of it's just being too busy. They've got a lot going on. Yeah. We're in trouble. Yeah, we're in right, trouble. Right. And this they're is a in crisis. meetings and they're talking to folks. And, mm -hmm. you know, Congress gets a bad rap and a lot of it's deserved, but they still have a job to do. They can only avoid so much of it. Right. right so right. I think a lot of this is them just too busy with the business of their job. Sure. To worry about the, the him the making comments about NASCAR. Yeah. Whatever yeah. verbal diarrhea of the week is, you know, right. or, have, or of the day too busy and they're human, right? They're right. busy. They're stressed out. Right. I think they're, you're going to see more and more of this ignoring him. Right. Right. Um, Andy, we had a great podcast, a uh, couple of uh, Senate, U.S. Senate candidates on The Man in the Middle. I think you got to catch both of them. Robin Kimbrough Hayes uh, mm -hmm. did a they great— They were great, both of them. Both we're of so them, lucky. Yeah, we are really lucky. We have two very good candidates here. Um, but on the Republican side, we have uh, Bill Haggerty and Dr. Manny Sethi, who was recently in town uh, in Murfreesboro last week. And— Andy, are you surprised to see someone that that graduated medical school show up without a mask in these public gatherings? Well, I yes and no. Mo, most of me is saying yeah. Like the the logical side of me is saying yeah. I'm really surprised. Um, but on the other hand, he really, really, really wants to win. Yeah. Uh, he he's real thirsty, as the kids say. <laughs> like, and I I just think that all comes down to he is going to do anything he can do to win he yeah. does not care what it, what that is he he's just going to do whatever it takes to win similar to the president is that who we want in the united states congress representing tennessee i mean we have a long history of statesmen i mean i i like fred thompson even though he got, oh, of course, he got yeah. a little crazy there at the end and and you know started running hard to the right but but Fred Thompson, Bill Frist, Al Gore, Howard Baker, does Manny Sethi belong in that category, Andy? I don't really think so. I don't Just think so. Either. I mean, his his commercials are very Grant Starity. Oh gosh, you know? yeah. I, I just. <laughs> You know, and I get my Republican friends even making fun of of Manny to me. Right. So right. You know, I don't feel I don't feel like I'm I'm offending anybody by any of saying any of this because there's a lot of people on the right that find him really odd. Yeah, yeah, and and of course Haggerty is a bit odd too. Um, anyway, I'm just glad that we've got a couple of really good choices on the Democrat side, and I'm glad that we were able to bring those to the listeners of the podcast because it's. As you know, it's extremely difficult for the Democrats to get their message out in the state of Tennessee, especially at the Senate level. You look at Bredesen, he had all the money in the world and yeah. and still came up short. So, well, he, you know, so he, he had some missed, he had some uh, own goals, as they say in soccer. You he know, did. He, he did a couple of things to himself, but I have to hand it to Marsha. She didn't even run against him. She ran against Chuck Schumer. Yeah. You know, she and sure so, did. Mm -hmm. In Tennessee, that's just going to resonate. I think Phil could have just – he should have run a commercial of just him walking up and punching Chuck right in the mouth or something. I don't, right. I don't, know, I don't, I don't know how you fight something like that, yeah. really. Well, I think how we do is we have to start fighting back. Unfortunately, uh, when the Democrats do it, they, they're usually telling the truth. Yeah, yeah. 
So anyway, I, I know that's uh, I'm showing my partisan side here for the man in the middle show, but it's just it's just the truth of what the reality of what we see on the ground here. So, Andy, anything else for our audience today? It's been another great interview, and uh, anything you'd like to add uh, for the listeners of Man in the Middle podcast? I just I would appeal to everybody's national pride. I think you know if you're going to argue with people, mask, no mask, all that, you can do that until the cows come home. That's the beauty of the internet is that. Whatever opinion you have, no matter how crazy, you can always go on the internet and find, you know, somebody that agrees with you, some YouTube video or whatever. Um, but there's a few things that are you, you can't dispute. We cannot move forward as a country unless we de- defeat the virus. There are things that we can do to do that. And we, I think, have an obligation as Americans to pull together and, and do that. And I'm sorry if you feel inconvenience being asked to do something. Um, if, if that's the way you feel, you can't be in my foxhole. Right. Uh, so I think we need to just pull together and do what we know is right. I agree. Andy, the, the thing. Agree. And the whole reason why we started all of this was to try to pull people together and not be as divisive before the virus even hit. Now it's been so politicized. But Andy Dickey, thank you for joining the man in the middle again. We look forward to your next appearance on the podcast. Uh, Andy Dickey, everyone. I'm Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle, and we'll see you next week. Johnny, rising up your bow and play your fiddle hard. Cause hell's broke loose in Georgia and the devil deals the cards. And if you win, you get this shiny fiddle made of gold. But if you lose, the devil gets your soul.